Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Daybreak, the show where fun ideas and occupations come to life. We're your hosts, Bryn Campbell and Pippa Schrader, and today we'll share an inspirational quote, interview Lindsay Feltinger, the producer of The Oprah Winfrey Show and head of American Girl Content Marketing. Then, after the announcement break, we'll end this episode with a tale of a rediscovered dragon lizard species that's been in hiding for over 100 years. Now, let's get on with the show. Now it's time for our inspiring quote to brighten your day and get you brainstorming. A visionary and a strong leader that we'll learn a little bit more about later in the show, Oprah Winfrey has a wise bit of knowledge to share about reacting to life. She exclaimed, Challenges are gifts that force us to search for a new center of gravity. Don't fight them. Just find a new way to stand. Now think about what she means, and once you've come up with a challenge that you have found a new center of gravity after, well, defeating, then make sure to write it down on a piece of paper or in a blank notebook and keep a record of some other special challenges, just as Oprah said, to make sure that you can remember the challenges that you beat and keep going into the future with the challenges yet to come. Now it's time to talk to Lindsay Feltinger, the producer of The Oprah Winfrey Show and head of American Girl Content Marketing. I sat down with her this week to discuss her amazing occupations over video. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, how are you? Pretty good. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Okay, so our first question is, why did you choose your profession? So growing up, I loved television and I loved journalism and media. And so I went to school to become a journalist. And at first I wanted to become a sports broadcaster and work for ESPN. That was Mm -hmm. like my dream. Um, But as I started going through um, college and school and stuff like that, I realized I had to move to a really small town if I wanted to become an on-air sports broadcaster. So I decided to move to Chicago and um, work in television there. And I started as an intern at PBS in Chicago. Wow. And working at my internship, they were going to hire me. But they said, but what is your dream job? And I said, my dream has always been to work for Oprah. And I said, well, they said, well, my mom is the head of HR at Oprah. Do you want to send me? So I sent her my resume and I got a job interview and it was my first job out of college. Whoa. Yeah, right? It was was perfect timing of everything. (laughs) That's just crazy. I did start at basically I read all the mail. So like Mm -hmm. that was my... I was reading all the mail, everybody that would write into Oprah asking questions <laughs> on the show, and my job was to respond to them or to talk to them or anything like that. So I started really, you know, in the first entry-level job, but then worked my way up throughout the next 12 years there. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. So yeah. my next question basically is like what you were just answering. Um, what was it like working on Oprah's producing team? It was pretty awesome. I have to say, I always tell people that I got my PhD in Oprah Winfrey, which (laughs) 
school for that. I got to learn everything from her. Um, and she taught us so much that's like such valuable lessons that today I still, still use, but it was really, I mean, it was really hard. Let me be honest. Um, Mm. we worked nonstop. There were times I would sleep on my couch in my office there or, um, you know, work weekends and stuff like that. So it was really hard, but it was Mm. so rewarding because, um, as a producer there, you would have a show every two weeks. And so you would work with Oprah on what topics you wanted to talk about. And then you would start to do research on that topic and find the right people that you wanted as guests. And then also, um, you know, if there was film tape pieces, you'd go and film the, the audience or the guests um, for mm. the tape. And then you'd write a whole script for the show. And then wow. you'd, on the, I know, and then there would be a show and, um, and she would do the show and then you'd be over with the show. And two weeks later you had another show. So <laughs> lot it was very fast paced and um every show was so different so one mm-hmm. show you be talking about um uh heart disease and then the ne- next show would be about uh fashion makeover and the <laughs> next show maybe be a celebrity like tom cruise so every show would change and be so different um so you became an expert in every show that you did wow yeah did you ever actually get to meet like oprah or any of the celebrities that she interviewed yeah, so um, I am very lucky about that because not only um, the cool thing about Oprah was is that she was involved in every show. So every show I would mm-hmm. talk with her, make sure that she felt good about the show we were working on and the guests and stuff like that. Um, and then if we had a celebrity guest, we would talk to them ahead of time um, on the phone and just talk to them about questions um, that they have and stuff like that. And then when they came on the show, um, we would greet them and um, and then have them come out for Oprah. So I met lots of celebrities um wow. and I have to say, all really really nice um and they all had a lot of great things to say and the great thing is when they came on the oprah show they always wanted to be their best so we always got the best out of each celebrity when they came on the show yeah yeah what was one of your favorite favorite shows that oprah had that's a hard one and so you on, yeah. uh, you know we did again we we did everything and had everybody on the show oh yeah mm-hmm. i i loved um was uh nelson mandela got to come on the show once Whoa. and my parents i got to bring my parents to chicago to see him and that was like <laughs> cool thing because for them nelson mandela yeah. was a big yeah. person in their lives so for them to be able to see him and stuff was really cool wow, so yeah and then meet him afterwards and shake his hand and that was just a moment oh my gosh you know, we also, one one show we did is um, after the Olympics, um, we had all of the Olympians from the U.S. in the Summer Olympics come on for one show. So there's over 125 Olympians wow. that we did at Grant Park. So we got to meet all <laughs> the athletes, and they all got to be there together, and we got them all together. So that was really fun. Um, uh, we also did a show where... Um, you know, we had um, a lot of kids that were doing amazing things. And so to hear from kids doing amazing things was really mm-hmm. awesome. So, it, it, you know, that was why I was so lucky. Is I got to meet so many interesting people over the years um, that were either, you know, a girl mm-hmm. that um, was homeless and ended up going to Harvard and seeing her inspirational journey of doing that yeah. all the way to, um, you know, President Obama when he was president coming on the show. So we, we got to meet the gamut of people and um, it it was just always such a great learning experience every show. Wow, that just sounds amazing. <laughs> <Fun>. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> that's so cool. Okay. Take a deep breath. <laughs> I thought, like, every, everybody's dream was that job, and I, I sort of, I, I, I pinched myself every single time thinking about how I got to have it for 12 years. Wow, yeah. Did yeah. you ever have to make a hard decision on the job, and what was it? Yeah, so um, the thing about um, working for the most famous person in the world is that you always had to make sure that everything you did um, had the right intention behind it, and then also um, that you had made sure that all the things that you were talking about was truthful, truthful and factual, because you know it was going to come out of Oprah's mouth and stuff like that. So we always had to make sure that everything we did was intentional and also accurate. And so um, there were times that we had to pull guests because they didn't turn out to be who we thought they were, or it just didn't feel right anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we would have to, you know, we'd go down that path and then decide it wasn't the right fit. Um, so that was really hard to have to tell somebody that if they weren't going to be able to come on the show anymore um, or that just, you know, wasn't working mm-hmm. out or weren't feeling like it's the right thing. So I think that that was really hard. But again, the good news is, is as Oprah always told us, is always go into it with the right intention and it would always work out. And so as long as we knew our intention for the show and what we needed, um, you know, we were able to always put together a good show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah. That would be really hard to, like, figure out that you were going to be on Oprah's show, but then you're like, oh, yeah. well, not really anymore. Exactly. No, I yeah. know. But, again, we wanted to make sure that everything we did was was honest and right for the show. And, we, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, at the end of the day that we put out the right show for Oprah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Was there anyone in your life who inspired you to choose um, your profession? Well, so that's an interesting one. Um, it was actually Oprah. Um, <laughs> I, in high school, I was the person that would come home and watch Oprah on my TV after school when everybody was like, why are you watching Oprah? That's just so not the right thing for a high schooler to do, but I loved it. And so when I was in high school, I actually wrote her a letter. Uh, <laughs> I wrote her a letter and I told her you know, that I had a show idea for her and I really wanted her to come to my school in Madison, Wisconsin. And, and- <gasps> at the time and I told her I wanted her, her to come to our school and do a show there because we had an amazing principal and I got a letter back from her saying you know thank you for writing me and keep up the good work and I um, can't wait to see what you do and I kept that letter all the way through high school and then all the way through college um, and so um, you know when I was done with college I still had that letter and so I kept it with me on my refrigerator knowing that if I put it out there hopefully I was going to work my way to be able to be do something with her. And so, um, to this day, I still have the letter. Um, <gasps> oh my gosh. Left the show 12 years later after I started working there. Um, I had her sign it because I found out it really, you know, at the time when I found out is that it wasn't her that signed the original letter in high school. It was somebody like myself with my first job that was actually the one signing the letters. Um, and so when I left, I made her sign the letter and write something next to it. So now I have that to keep with me. Um, but it was something that always inspired me just to have it with me um, throughout high school and college. That is so, so, so cool. <laughs> okay, so now we're shifting to a whole other part of your career. First, we have the awesome Oprah part, and yeah. then um, your American Girl part. So what is it like to work at American Girl, and what's the best part? Yes. So um, when I decided to move back to Madison because my family was here, 
Um, there was only, there was like a few places I wanted to work in Madison. One was American Girl because growing up, I grew up with American Girl. Mm-hmm. It started in Madison, which I thought was so cool. Yeah. So um, my, my job there um, now is to sort of do all the video um, and all the content that we create for the brand for American Girl. And so it's really fun, very different than Oprah. Um, because it's for kids and it's toy mm-hmm. and it's, um, it's character based. And so, yeah. um, but it's a lot of fun and, um, every day is different and every day mm-hmm. is new and it's fun to see all the fun stuff I get to create to make, um, kids happy. And it's just a really positive experience working there and, and helping kids, um, you know, as they grow up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so like, how do you work for American Girl right now in this time of COVID-19 and the BLM protests are also going on? And so those are two really big things that are going to change the world forever. So how how is that going with your job? Yeah, so it's been really interesting um, having all this happen right now. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. American Girl has been really great to work for during this time because we've been able to work from home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been very helpful because, as you know, all the kids – you know, having kids at home, it's got to make sure that they're, you know, doing their schoolwork and stuff like that. So working from home has been a great um, thing to be able to do during this time. Mm-hmm. I say um, one of the things that American Girls always tried to be is be there for girls as they're growing up. And so it's been really interesting as we create the right content during this time and the right um, product and the right um, storytelling moments that we really um, have these moments that are happening in a girl's life mm. uh, happen in our content. So, you know, we've been really trying to take a look at that, making sure that we have lots of diverse uh, storytelling moments, especially right now, uh, making sure that we're telling stories about, um, you know, black girls of today. Um, and so wanting to make sure we do that, um, but also telling stories about all different um, races and cultures, because we want to make sure that girls know that um, you know, there's stories out there about them. Um, so we're really focused on doing a lot of great stuff mm-hmm. like, um, and then just, you know, making sure that girls know that we're there for them. So, um, just creating content and creating content that, um, helps them get through these times and also, you know, has, well, helps them have fun, um, when they're at home and, you know, and they are there and having, um, their, their dolls to play with and we're giving mm-hmm. them ways to play with the dolls and stuff well so just trying to be there for girls um during this time Mm, yeah yeah totally so how did you make a stop motion video as you did for american girl so stop motion is a really interesting type of video um it really became popular with the lego movie Mm -hmm. um and so um but at american girl we do a lot of these stop motion videos as well and they're really fun with our (laughs) h-inch doll um but so every frame that the doll moves, you have to take an image yeah. and then put it all together to create these videos. So for like a three minute stop motion video could take you two weeks to make um, because there are so many stops and starts of each frame and you wanna make sure that every way that the doll is um, and the backgrounds and everything match up. So a three minute video could take up to two weeks of making it. So it takes a long time but they're so much fun. And um, what I've loved seeing is that um, girls of all ages have started to create their own. Um, mm-hmm. And 
they're telling stories of their lives, um, be it what happens at their school or at home or wherever, and they're telling these stories with their stop motion that they're creating themselves because, you know, there's apps now that people can use, but also they learn how to do it as well. So it's been fun to see um, girls create their own stop motion videos. Oh, yeah. That is really, really cool. Okay. So would you recommend um, your job to others? Yes. I have to say, um, I love my job. Um, I love being able to create fun content. I love being able to um, try new things um, because, you know, the world is always changing. And so our job changes mm -hmm. depending on what's happening in the world. So it's really fun and it keeps things yeah. relevant and exciting, always changing. Um, but I also just, I love um, being able to produce, whether it's for the Oprah show or for American Girl. I love to tell stories um, and make sure that stories are told of all different people and all different um, types of stories. And so I love what I do. And um, uh, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely not boring. Yeah, that is, that is so cool. Um, and I just have a fun question before we get yeah. to our final contemplative question. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, what's your favorite part of the American Girl store in Chicago? Oh, that's a good one. So um, the American Girl store in Chicago is really fun. We actually just did a bunch of fun new things there. Yeah. Um, two new things that we just created is we created a doll hospital. So you can <laughs> take your doll there, and there's a doll doctor that checks on the doll to make sure that they're happy and healthy and everything like that. So they do a whole um, uh, a visit with the doll. So they check their arms and they check their legs and all that stuff to make sure that their doll is healthy. And so that's been really, really fun to see mm -hmm. and to see girls like bringing their dolls in and everything. They just love to talk to the doll doctor. Um, and then there's also a girl and um, doll's hair salon. And um, so you get you can get your hair done and the doll's hair done Aww. and your and the doll's nails done. Um, so it's really fun. It's a fun little spa salon uh, for your girl and, and the doll, which is really fun. And then, you know, just everywhere in the store, there's just such immersive, like, experiences that everything is, there's something to do. So you're looking at the characters, like the Julie character, there's a little place there that you can listen to the Julie music and, and see all the things that are happening in her world. And so it's just really fun. And it's not like your average store. Mm -hmm. I feel like you never get too old for American Girl. Oh, not at all. <laughs> Especially if, if you also go to the New York store, that's even, it's like we've even created something even cooler there where you live in Julie's world, so you get to go into her VW Bug, Whoa. and you get, to, uh, you get to play basketball um, in her world, you get to go hang out in her bedroom. It's a really cool place. So, uh, yeah, the stores are awesome, no matter right. how old you are. <laughs> how, how do they, like, are they closed down because of COVID right now? You know what? Um, so they, it's been it's been ebb and flow depending on what's happening in each state. Um, so depending on the state and what the rules and regulations are in the state depends on what whether or not the store is open or not. But it's been, you know, it's been a team effort to make sure that um, that everybody in in the stores are safe and that their customers are safe. Um, so we've been really trying to be. Um, you know, do our due diligence to make sure of that while we open the stores. And we've offered like curbside pickup now so people can go just pick it up at the curb instead of coming in and all yeah. that good stuff as well. And of course, we have our website that a lot of people can go on and, and buy our product as well. So they don't have to go to the store, but we love our stores so much. So uh, <laughs> I can't wait till they're fully opened again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
what this is a very big question hopefully oprah's proud of this but what is your definition of success Ooh, that's good that's a good one um <laughs> uh, i would like that um you know what i think um success is whatever you want to make it um it's funny because uh let's see ten uh what's been now eight years since i left oprah so eight years ago if you would have told me now where i'd be today where i am i wouldn't have believed you because i had lived my dream up with Oprah and having that dream and stuff like that. But then what I realized is that I can be successful in different ways. I can live my dream out in different ways. And so I'm always just setting um, my goals every time with clear intentions of what I want. And then I go after them. And then once I've done that, I look and say, okay, um, I might not do the same thing over again. I might not work for Oprah again, but what can I do that will bring me just as much joy or you know, allow me to still have my creative freedoms or to be able to, you know, make sure I'm home with my kids. What are those things that are my goals and what makes me successful by doing that? So I think it's just always shooting for, you know, what you want and going after that. But then once after you get that, what's the next thing you can do for yourself? Mm -hmm. Because um, what I believe is that, mm -hmm. you know, evolving and making change is always, it's only going to make you better. So, yes. um, you know, just keep, keep moving forward no matter what it is. And, know that mm -hmm. if you've hit one goal, you still can keep going for the next one. And so, um, you know, just keep going. Wow. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's been so great to talk to you, Lindsay. Um, right. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I learned so much and it's so cool. Your past and present jobs are awesome and you're a really awesome person. So thanks oh, so much for letting me talk to you. No problem. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Thank you for that amazing interview, Pippa and Lindsay. I learned a lot. Now, after the break, it will be time to share about a lizard species that has been rediscovered after years. Hi, this is Pippa from the Daybreak Podcast, and I just want to talk to you guys a little bit about a company that me and my friends started late last year. It is called DNM Graphic Novel Library. This is how it works. So, if you go into our website, which is in a link in the show notes, make sure to check that out, you can click signing up and choose your subscription type, either standard, which is $8, or premium, which is $13. Fill out a quick form. Um, of course, deposit your money for the month, and then you're done. So, what you get with this subscription is that you can rent out like two every week of our hundred or more like graphic novels and magazines they're all super good and you can find something for every person maybe you've not heard of graphic novels before maybe you have it's your your call whatever kind of graphic novel you want but you're only allowed to do two a week then if you live in the Dungeon Monroe neighborhood we will deliver a graphic novel to your door that you choose and if you don't then you can just come and pick it up at our home base also, if you come and sign up now, you get 15% off with a special code on our Facebook page that you can check out. Also, one more thing. Um, one graphic novel usually costs like $8, so this is a really good deal because you're getting like 16 graphic novels if you did two months for the price of two graphic novels, which is crazy. So make sure to check it out. If you've never heard of graphic novels, if you have, if you're really into them, this is the thing for you. 
Remember, it's in the show notes, and how you sign up is you click signing up on our website, and then you click standard or premium, and then you fill out the form. Thanks so much, and now back to the show. This is Bryn Campbell. Welcome back to Daybreak. It is now time for us to share a fun news story about a species of dragon lizard. Around 130 years ago, an Italian explorer named Elio Modigliani found one of these dragon lizards in Southeast Asia. Ever since then, no one has ever found another one of these crazy lizards. That is, until not long ago when a wildlife biologist was conducting a bird survey in Indonesia's North Sumatra. During this study, the biologist stumbled upon something he wasn't expecting. It was a dead lizard with some very interesting features. And it didn't take long for the lizard to be identified as the same species of lizard that Modigliani found years ago. The lizard has a very distinctive nose horn and bright green scales that can change colors. Later, they found a small population of living dragon lizards in the same place in Indonesia. There are not many of the lizards and they are already being threatened by deforestation. But conservationists are working hard to safeguard the species from harm. This was a huge discovery, but watch out! These changing color lizards can blend into anything. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Daybreak. We're your hosts, Bryn Campbell and Tempa Schrader. And this week we had help from John Schrader, our trusty editor, Bryn Campbell, my co-host, Lindsay Feldinger for her awesome interview today, and, of course, from all of you new listeners who are tuning in to Daybreak. Thanks so much. Pippa, signing off. Daybreak.